Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Well, thanks for joining us for today's podcast as we continue the conversation about student ministry. I'm your host, Dan Carson. Our ministry is all about investing those that are seeking to impact the next generation for Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're full-time, part-time, bivocation, or volunteer. We would love to connect with you. You can reach us through email at info at studentministrymatters.com or find us on social media through Facebook, Instagram, or even Twitter. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, let me encourage you to subscribe, like, and share. We would love to see our moments of connection and conversation reach even more student ministry workers. It's been a real exciting time as I've looked at some of the statistics. We have listeners all across the country from Arkansas, where we're based, all the way out to California, to the Northeast, and beyond. And it has been kind of crazy, as I've seen listeners even in Russia and the UK. And so it's been an exciting time. Well, on today's program, we have a special guest with us. Dalton Schaefer is a worship pastor and songwriter based out of central Arkansas with a desire to lead and help others lead biblically formed worship in spirit and truth. He's passionate about the relationship between theology and worship and leading people into greater devotion to Christ. He also leads a ministry called Spirit Truth. You can find that on Instagram and YouTube that seeks to release content to help lead others toward a more biblically formed view of worship and worship leadership. We'll have links to that in our show notes. It's at Spirit Truth Worship, but on worship, there's no O and there's no I. So again, we'll have a link in the, in our show notes. But welcome to the podcast, Dalton. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, there's much more to you than just the bio that I shared. Dalton, share some, some more with our listeners about your faith journey, your family, maybe even your current ministry at your local church. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like Dan said, I'm Dalton Schaefer. I am 26 years old. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Whitley. Uh, we've been married almost three years and we have one dog, a Boston Terrier named Oliver. And yeah, my faith journey. Yeah, it really started for me um, at the end of high school. So I didn't really grow up in church. Um, my parents went to church when I was really young, but so young that I don't really have any memories of it. Um, and then kind of got out of church through some uh, circumstances that, you know, with some health and some different things that happened when I was really young. Um, and they just never went back to church. And so when I was 18 years old, I just began to feel this call, like something was really missing. And I began to attend a church on my own, just kind of randomly. It felt like until years later, I found out there was someone praying for me, uh, but really just started attending church when I was 18, kind of on and off a little bit my senior year. And then when I graduated and started college, I said, you know, I just want to commit myself to a local church. So I started attending church every Sunday for two straight years. So all the way through my freshman year of college, all the way through my sophomore year of college. And right at the end, right after I turned 20, one day sitting in a church service, I heard the gospel and it was like my eyes were 
open for the first time to really see Christ and what he had done on the cross to ransom me and to save me. And if I would respond in faith, repent from my sin, put my faith in Jesus, that he would save me from my sin. He wouldn't just leave me there. He would actually redeem me and change me. And so at 20 years old, I repented from my sin and I gave my life to Christ. I began to follow him. Uh, And it was really through that that I said, hey, I've just been attending church for a long time and I've not really planted my roots in in a place. I've just been kind of in and out of a church every week. And so I said, Hey, I want to find a place that I can call home. And I was kind of driving out of town to go to church with, uh, with a friend. And I said, Hey, I really want to commit myself to a local church that's close to home uh, that I, I can put roots at. And so there was a church right across the street from the college I was attending. So I was going to UCA, the university of central Arkansas in Conway, Arkansas, which is where I'm from. And, uh, Second Baptist Church was right across the street. So I started attending Second Baptist. One of my closest friends in the world had gotten saved just a, a couple of years before me, and he had started going there and he played drums there. So I showed up uh, that summer after my sophomore year of college and he wasn't there. He was actually on a mission trip overseas for a few months. And so by the time he got back, I was like fully plugged in. Um, but my first Sunday there, the worship pastor got on stage. And I love telling this story, uh, but it was my first Sunday worship pastor, a guy named Rich Nelson, still a good friend of mine, was up on stage. And at the end of service, he just said, hey, if there's anyone here who plays guitar, I'd love to meet you. And I was brand new, but I was there and I played guitar. And so I went and met him. And that's kind of how I got connected, started serving on the worship team. I became a member. I joined a small group at the church, uh, started doing one-on-one discipleship with the college pastor. And so really within just a few months, I was about as plugged into a local church as you could be as a brand new believer, uh, but really committed to giving my life away for the sake of knowing God and sharing him. And because I kind of grew up not really knowing the gospel and having a lot of people in my life who said they were followers of Jesus, but never sharing the gospel with me, uh, I really committed myself to to making known the gospel among the people that I spent time with. And that just took me on a journey in discipleship and loving the Lord and love and worship. I felt called to ministry within that first year and kind of the rest is history. I ended up going on staff at second Baptist when I graduated from college and then served there for a couple of years. And now uh, it's taken me where I am, uh, which is serving at fellowship Bible church. We're a multi-campus church based out of central Arkansas, um, started in Little Rock, and now we have five campuses uh, across Central Arkansas. And so I serve at our Cabot campus as the worship pastor, and I've been here for about two and a half years, almost three years, coming up soon. Well, Dalton, you mentioned being a student at University of Central Arkansas. What was your major back then? I was a music major. I thought I wanted to be a band director. Uh, was actually convinced, uh, you know, about halfway through college, kind of right around that same time, that I was going to go get a master's in music performance and hopefully teach at a college. And that was actually a big part of my struggle with when I came to faith, really feeling like the Lord was pulling some idols out that I had I had put music up as an idol. Um, and I really I worshipped at the altar of music and performance and the approval of man. And so, yeah, I mean, that was all very tied to my identity and the Lord had to cleanse me of those things. So it wasn't long after coming to faith that I felt like the Lord told me that I was supposed to give up wanting to go teach music to do something else. And I kind of joke sometimes that I, I gave up teaching music, which was an idol uh, and became a teacher who uses music to teach about Jesus. And so, yeah, that's what the Lord did in me. Oh, well, it, it can be, very painful at times to to take those steps to to set aside something that was your dream and to say okay 
God, use me however you want. And But then when we step into it, we realize that, well, that's exactly what I was supposed to be doing all along. Yeah, and, that's good. And the exciting thing for me is, as I've had a chance to to meet you, get to know you over the past year or so, and just to see how God is using you in big ways there at Fellowship. You know, I know that you and 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 your wife, you've been married for a few years now. So what do you guys do for fun? That's a great question. Um, that's a really good question. I So right now for fun, we both do grad school homework where I, I'm, oh, in, okay. I'm in seminary working on a master's of biblical and theological studies from Western, and she's getting her MBA from UCA. Oh. And so there's a lot less free time to have fun. But when we do, we do make time uh, on the weekends. Uh, I try to, I'm not, you know, legalistic about taking a Sabbath, but we really do try to block off time where I get all my work done before Saturday so that we can have that time together. And Whitley loves to watch movies. Like a, a great night for her is snuggled up on the couch with our dog and a blanket and watching a movie, eating some good food. Um, and so right now that's it. We like to travel. We're actually going out of town uh, this week and next week, taking a, a vacation and then going to a retreat for her work that's in Colorado. So a little bit of traveling. We like to go see Northwest oh, nice. Arkansas up uh, up in your neck of the woods. We love to go. Right, to right. I, I recently watched a video that your wife had posted about your journey up to Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> yes. She just started a YouTube channel. Uh, that she, <laughs> yeah, so my, yeah, she started a YouTube channel. That's what she's doing for fun right now, honestly. She's using it as a way to procrastinate her homework, I think, but she loves to make YouTube videos. <laughs> I think I'm really making those for her. <laughs> she just is in them. I'm the one holding the camera. And <laughs> She's doing the YouTube the star. That's nice. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, over the past couple of years, I've, I've gotten to know Dalton through his social media presence, as well as through my son, Riley. Riley is currently the worship intern at Cabot, uh, the Cabot campus there for Fellowship Bible Church, learning from Dalton and the people there. Dalton is a deep thinker, especially when it comes to the subject of worship. And I've asked him to share with us today something about, about that. Um, what are those important things that we need to be sharing with our students concerning the subject of worship? I know that can be a bit intimidating for those of us that are, aren't really maybe involved in the music side of worship. There are a lot of youth pastors out there that, that don't have any exposure in that area. That, that's mm-hmm. just not their strength. I was one of those slash guys. That's the way I always referred to it, meaning that I did worship slash youth or youth slash education or education slash, you know, I've always been one of those guys. Yeah. And um, But what is it, Dalton, that we need to be pouring into our students? They need to know the importance of worship during those early years and formative years. So what are some of those things? Yeah, man, that's such a good question. I really appreciate just that you're asking those kind of questions and you want to think that way. And as I was thinking about that uh, earlier today, this is what I think I want to say is there's a lot of pithy things I could say that would make you go, "Mm, that's really good. Uh, and, And you would forget it in 10 minutes and you'd move on and it wouldn't matter. Um, but it would sound really good. And what I want to say is the the reason that in my, my bio, I talk about biblically formed worship in spirit and truth is because there's a kind of worship that the father is seeking. It says in John four, and he's seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. And in Hebrews, it talks about 
uh, worshiping God acceptably, which means that there's a way that we can worship God that's unacceptable. And so what I really try to do is lean into what the scriptures say and let the scriptures speak. And so I would say what we need to teach uh, this next generation about worship is one that worship isn't something to be consumed. Uh, We're not consumers of worship. There is a consumer of worship and his name is Jesus. Like he is the one that worship is offered to. And we are participants in the ministry of the gospel when we worship together. And so I just want to point to two, um, two passages in the new Testament. Both of them are Paul, one's in Colossians, one's in Ephesians and Colossians three sixteen says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thank with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's Colossians three sixteen. And so what he's saying is that we are to let the word of Christ, some might say the words about Christ, I would say it's the gospel, it's our hope and salvation, let the word of Christ dwell, the word dwell means to take up residence in, dwell in you richly, it says teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing. And so the avenue by which we're to let the word of of God take up residence in our life and transform us is through singing. And so it's one of the graces God has given us to see us transformed. Jesus in his ministry said that a good man brings good out of the good stored up in his heart. Like there's a good treasure stored in your heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And so it goes on to say out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks and it shows what kind of person you are. And if we want to be a kind of people Uh, that are followers of Jesus, then what we need to store up in our heart is the word of Christ, which I think comes through singing. So the next passage is Ephesians 5, starts in verse 18, goes through 21. It says, be filled with the spirit. Some would, uh, would translate that be being filled as in continually filled with the spirit, addressing one another. You see that again, once again, we're addressing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and everything to God, the father in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so I think a lot of times we start to think of worship as a product to consume. And when you consume a product, uh, it's really based more on your preferences. What's your favorite restaurant? If you want to go consume a certain kind of food, you're going to go based on your preferences. Uh, But worship really isn't that way. We should not base our worship uh, on our preferences. And if we do, it's, it's exposing. So if, if you ever hear someone say like, man, I have trouble worshiping to those kind of songs. uh, I think it can actually expose Uh, that we're not actually worshiping Jesus, we're worshiping music. And we're letting our preferences dictate our worship. And so I think that's the first thing, remembering that we're not the consumers of worship. God is the consumer of worship. And so we want to offer up worship. And to remember that when we gather, like we're using the word worship, but we're really talking about the corporate gathering and corporate singing. And when we gather as a church, we want to think of worship in two ways. One is that there's a vertical expression of worship, that we are worshiping the one true living God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and has now put his spirit in those who believe and follow him, who have repented and have made us a body together. So there is a there is a vertical aspect, but there's also a horizontal aspect. 
And in that, we see in both those passages that we're to address one another. And so I would say for this next generation to know that one, God wants you to sing and the people around you need you to sing. That every person in the room, you're there to be a testimony to the faithfulness and goodness of God. You're there to be a testimony of the gospel hope that we have. And every time you lift your voice and you sing the gospel, over the people around you, you're getting to participate in the ministry of the gospel that God has put us as ministers of reconciliation. We actually get to participate in that. So I think worship is, it's a form of discipleship, really, uh, where we're being discipled, we're being formed as the word of Christ dwells in us, but we're also participating in discipling those around us. And so that that's just one of the thoughts that I have is, is I think about, you know, what does this next generation need to know or think about worship? Is it, It's not really about us. It's about God, and it's also about others. So we're to love God and love our neighbor. And so we don't want our preferences to drive, um, to drive our worship. And also just to remember, um, I think the importance of saying, you know, the scripture says sing a new song. Um, and we want to sing a new song, but we're also, it says in Ephesians five there at the end, we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So not letting our preferences, but actually our love for those around us, uh, to drive what we do. And so I would say, you know, as we think about worship and whether it's in a youth group, uh, or in, in the Sunday morning gathering, what I would say is that we want to think not only about are we singing new songs, which the scripture tells us to, but we want to think about how are we connecting what we're doing to the saints who have existed for thousands of years before us, that what we're doing isn't, it didn't start and end with us. You and I are not the first people to ever worship Jesus. And so we actually are joining a song that all of heaven and all of the earth are one day are going to bow and they're going to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And so we don't want what we do to be, just rooted in our own culture, our own expression, our own time. We want to contextualize worship. I think that's helpful. Uh, but at the same time, I want to connect. I'm in a pretty contemporary setting. We're still going to sing hymns that are hundreds of years old because this didn't start with us. We want to connect the generations together and say, hey, we're actually more unified than we might think. This is the one place in the whole world where the dividing walls of culture and generations are torn down because we're unified in the gospel. And so I tell people all the time, I've got a friend um, over on the other side of the world, uh, a good friend of mine in India. I won't name him just for just safety reasons, uh, sure. but I mean, he serves as a pastor and, and he's native to that you know country. And right. when I spent time with him a few years ago, I remember saying, I have more in common with you even though we come from completely different cultures, we speak different languages. He had learned English so we could communicate, but I have more in common with you than I do. Someone who looks exactly like me was born and raised in the same city, has all of the same interests, but doesn't love Jesus. And that's because we're more unified in the gospel than in anything else. And so I think that's so important to capture that aspect of, of the church. Well, thank you, Dalton. I, I know that we sometimes struggle as student ministry workers to to give our students those things that they need to know and understand about the subject of worship because it often gravitates towards those discussions of preference. So let yep. me ask you a related question. If I am worshiping with my students, say on a Wednesday night, and 
then I'm worshiping, worshiping on our Sunday morning. How should those worship services compare? Should they be similar, same songs? Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my first response is going to be, I think, I think it really depends on your context. Um, I don't think that there's a right or wrong way to do this in our context because of um, just the nature of, you know, we're, we're very contemporary on Sunday mornings. Ours look pretty similar. We will sing several of the same songs on a Wednesday night that we would a Sunday morning, but not necessarily all of the same songs. And so I'd say there is sometimes where they can be comparable, you know, where, where I might lean more towards using hymns on a Sunday morning. If I'm just in a Wednesday service, I might not use as many. Although historically when I travel and do those kind of events with students, I have used hymns um, just in a different style. And so I would say it just depends on, uh, your context. I also think with students, um, you want to think about contextualizing worship. And also that is different than the Sunday morning gathering, um, where I would say it's not necessary that we sing on a Wednesday night. It is necessary that we sing on a Sunday morning because God has given us um, that element of our services in the scripture. So yeah, I would say it, it totally depends on your context and, and even thinking about like the missional aspects of a Wednesday night service where you have maybe more of those students are unbelievers um, and you want to do something musically. Although I'm, I'm typically not a seeker sensitive kind of guy when it comes to uh, how we would structure a church. I think Wednesdays are a unique opportunity to structure in a way that invites people from the outside in to come and hear the gospel and to come and be transformed. And so I think you just have to consider those things. But so that's my, my first statement. My second statement is uh, where I want them to be very comparable is I think both need to be theologically strong. So you might be singing songs in a different style, but it doesn't mean that you're singing shallower songs or that you're more okay with bad theology just because it's students. And they might actually think it's more important that you're very clear with students where you actually can get away with more with adults. You can be a little bit more poetic and, and you know have more nuance with someone who's walked with Christ for 40, 50 years. I think a student who has very little experience with Christ doesn't need you to have uh, a lack of clarity around what you're trying to say. And so I would say theology is so important when we're working with students. And so I talk a lot more when I'm with students. I, I feel, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but when I, I led, so I actually went and traveled this week on Tuesday, just a few days ago and led worship for a youth group that I uh, have never led with before. I don't know most of those students. There might've been a couple of people I've met before at different places, but for the most part, it was a group that I did not know very well. I don't know what their background is. I don't know how many of them are believers or unbelievers. I don't know how many of them read their Bible that day. I don't know how many of them have ever heard the gospel. Uh, and so I don't want to walk out that night and go, man, why well, just assume that they know the gospel? And so I didn't really share it. I, I'm going to walk out that night going, man, I want to make sure I share the gospel over and over and over again, just in case there's anyone there who doesn't know Christ. I want to be really clear when we're singing, why we're singing. There might be someone there who has no idea why you're singing. And so I want to offer up, hey, the scriptures tell us to sing to the Lord. The Lord loves to, he delights in the sound of his people singing. And it's an act of worship, but you're also sharing the gospel with those around you. That's what it says in Colossians and Ephesians. We're addressing one another. So I want to be more clear with students 
Um, cause I don't, I don't want to leave room for them to be confused about the gospel or confused about how to, re, uh, confused about how to respond to the gospel. And so I try to be very clear when I'm, when I'm leading students and just looking out and taking a pulse of the room. If you're leading worship on a Wednesday or whenever your youth group meets and you see that the room is not engaged in worship, they're just kind of standing there. They're not really singing. That's an opportunity to lean in and teach because they might not know that they're supposed to sing. They might just think you're singing at them. You know, this is kind of the only right. place in the right. world where we really gather weekly and sing together in that way. And so, yeah, I would just, uh, I would just think through those different elements and, and think about that. Let's get a little practical as we talk today. So let's say I'm a youth pastor that's trying to start a youth worship band. I don't have a lot of musical experience, but I have some musicians in my group that would like to start taking some steps forward towards that. How should I proceed? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Yeah, I would say first is survey why you want to have music. Um, you got some students who are excited about being part. I think that's a great place to start and, and think about how you can train them up in worship. Um, I said earlier, I don't know that you necessarily have to have music. I think a lot of people feel the pressure of of kind of, you know, we're almost competing is the wrong word, but you see other churches that have these great, you know, worship bands in their youth and just don't feel like you have to do what other churches do, especially when it comes to how you structure a Wednesday night because discipleship can happen in so many different ways. But if you're going that way, you have students excited and you want to do that, I would say the first place uh, to start is can you provide resources to help them grow? Not just putting them up on a stage and just letting them start lead worship, but do you have a way to shepherd them? And so if you don't necessarily have that, you may look into some resources that can help you do that. One really simple resource I point people to is the worship initiative. It was started by Shane and Shane. Uh, and they have teaching resources for different instruments, but they also do something called heart training. They do vocal lessons, and it is an incredible resource. If you're leading a group that you can give it to them, they can grow in their instruments. You can grow in your understanding of shepherding them and use the heart training and the devotionals, and you can use those things to actually grow up a team spiritually and musically. And a lot of times what we say in our ministries, we want to grow in character and competency. And so you don't want to just have one or the other, if you have character, uh, but no competency, it's that, you know, Oh honey, like that's so sweet, but you really shouldn't be on stage kind of thing. But if you have competency and no character, you might have all these doors open to you, but then, but you don't have the opportunity or you have all these doors open to you, but you don't have the character to sustain ministry long-term. And so, um, you'll always want to be thinking right from the very beginning with students, how you can encourage them to grow in both. And then I would say, once you have um, some people interested, what is the simplest thing that you can do with excellence and start there? So I wouldn't, if you want to start a worship band and you have one guitar player and a keys player, I would not try to start a full band and say, well, we have to get a drummer, even though we don't have a drummer. If you have a guitar and a keys player, then just have a guitar and a keys player. And if your keys player is not ready to, to play hooks, then just have them chord. But I would start with what's the simplest thing that you can do with excellence uh, and start from there because it's really hard to engage in true worship. That's engage in true worship when you're distracted. And a lot of times when you put people up who are not ready to lead, it can create distractions. And so that's what I would say is just, it's a simple thing, but 
you know, a lot of people have different views of what excellence is. I would say excellence is not perfection and it's not comparing yourself to others. Excellence is taking steps towards the goal of being undistracting in your leadership. And so anything that you can do that can help students put them on the right track. And, and remember, you know, we say character and competency. I like to say character over competency. And so leaning more into their, their walk with Christ and discipling them and teaching them what true worship is before they go and try to lead something that they're not really certain of what it even is for themselves. And so that'd be one of my, one of my thoughts on that. Well, I, I love, I love where you started with that. Evaluating, where the the students are, why do they want to do that? Why why do we feel like we need a musical component to our our Bible study group? I mean, that's that's kind of what's what you're looking at, and then helping them understand that underlying thought and belief, and and just really using that opportunity to disciple them. Then you get to all those other aspects of of what that looks like, what you have to have or need to have. Um, so I, I appreciate that, Dalton. Yeah. One of the the other things that I'd like to ask is, you know, are there any other thoughts? You know, you're talking to student ministry workers, full-time, part-time, bivocational volunteer. Is there anything else that you'd really like to share with them concerning worship and their student ministries? Yeah, I think one thing I would say is a lot of people leave worship up to the preferences of their students or their congregants. And I, I really want to say, hey, the God who created all things has actually told us how to worship. And so a lot of people might say, well, hey, like I don't, you know, singing is just not my thing. I'm just not, you know, I'm just not wired that way. But God has told us to sing. And so what I would say is if you lead a ministry of any kind, but especially with students, then you have the opportunity and really the weight of getting to lead them and teach them about what true worship is. And so I wouldn't shy away from that. Um, a lot of people are like, well, if I feel like if I tell them how to worship, if you, here's the, I would say the, if you don't tell them how to worship, they will make up how to worship on their own. And if you survey the Bible, when people decide how to worship God on their own, it doesn't end well. And so it just never ends well, ends up with golden calves and idol worship and destruction. And so I would just say slowly think about how you can disciple your people over, over time. If you have, you know, 52 weeks in a year and your student ministry is gathering for between 30 and 50 of those, then that's 30 to 50 opportunities to take one verse from scripture, teach it to your students and call them to respond. Whether it's Psalm 134 verse two, come all you servants of the Lord, lift your hands to the holy places and bless the Lord. And you get to teach on what does it mean to lift your hands and what does it mean to bless the Lord? Or if it's Romans 12, present your bodies as living sacrifices. And what does that mean to offer up true worship in that way? And so, you know, whatever it is, singing, whole life worship, you know, always capturing. I think it's okay to, to use the term worship to talk about singing, uh, if periodically we remind people that that's not all of worship, like, you know, worship is so much more than singing, but it's not less than singing. So we don't want to say that worship isn't singing because singing is part of worship. And so, yeah, I would say you really have the opportunity to lead your students in that. <clears throat> so teach them, use the Bible, teach them. Someone has to teach you how to worship. 
because you don't, you're going to worship something. We just want to direct that worship toward, towards the right person, which is Jesus and in the right way, which he has shown in his word. So we want to make sure that we capture that with our students every week. Well, Dalton, recently you had the opportunity to release a, I'd show my age. You released a single on on Christian radio. I know that's not in any way the way it's described anymore. No, we would Uh, would still say released a single. That's right. Okay. Okay. I don't feel so ancient, Uh, but you can find that on Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. It's a song entitled Behold. What can you tell us about that song? So the song Behold uh, is uh, a song that I actually started writing years ago um, before I came on staff here at Fellowship. And then a couple of years ago, we went on a writing retreat and I had all of these verses um, that were really based around this one line from John 1, 29, where John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I wanted to to capture that line and say, hey, I want to write a song that calls people to the gospel that says, lift your eyes, see our Christ, like set your eyes on the glory of a slain lamb who is... Uh, who died on the cross for sinners, but is now resurrected and we have life in him. I said, man, I just want to capture that idea of behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so I started writing this song and it really was like, yeah, it was this idea of behold the Christ, our King from heaven's throne. It was this, you know, behold this King who would take on flesh for us. And so the whole first verse was about the incarnation. And then Uh, That second verse is uh, upon the cross, our sinless savior died. And it's really this, uh, the the third line of that verse says, behold his wounds, his hands, his feet, his side. And so it's really behold what our sin has done to our savior. Uh, And then you kind of get into the chorus, behold him. We lift our eyes, we see him. And and it's this uh, offering of worship. And then you kind of keep going through the song. You have a verse about the resurrection. Uh, you know, behold the tomb, this empty, empty tomb. Now as he's risen from the grave, and then it ends with this idea of Christ is going to return. He's going to make all things new. He's going to right all the wrongs. He's going to make righteous all the brokenness of our world. And uh, and so it's that whole idea of you know we kind of with waiting and longing we worship our King until He returns for that day. But yeah, I mean, it's this, I really just wanted to share the gospel, uh, all rooted in what the scripture says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. just encourage any of our listeners to to find it on Spotify. It is a fantastic worship song. I just really enjoyed it and wanted to to share that with you. I just want to say thanks for being with us, Dalton. 
You know, I appreciate your desire to invest in others. That's what the job of a pastor is all about. And I see see you fulfilling that ministry as a worship pastor there at Fellowship. If someone would like to follow you and follow what you're doing, what's the best place for them to go? Yeah, um, I would say follow me on Instagram. It's just at Dalton Schaefer Music. And then you can follow my ministry with Spirit Truth at, at Spirit Truth Worship. But like you said at the beginning, worship's devoweled. That's how we'd say that. So there's no vowels in worship. So Spirit Truth Worship. A devoweled worship. I've seen hats and shirts with it, though, so I, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us today as we've continued discussing student ministry and the many things that are involved with impacting the next generation for Jesus. Keep it up because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.